Well, good morning. So glad you're here this morning. Uh, so what a great time of worship we've already had. Uh, we want to dive in the, the Word this morning. We're in this new series, uh, Reimagine Life, but it's not just a series. It's more than that. It's a vision that we feel like God is leading us, a direction God's leading us as a church. Now, what does that mean? We, we kind of dumped in last week and talked about how is it possible that we maybe have reduced what God would want for us, maybe shrunk what God would want for us in our lives, and that we've made it measurably less instead of immeasurably more. You know, I know that I've done that before. I've reduced the kingdom of God into just another thing to juggle in my life. Just faith is just another thing that I hope that I have time for, or a list of do's and don'ts. But, but I think that God has so much more for, for us. And that's what he, when he and makes this big announcement. And he says in Isaiah 61 and, and Luke 4, he says, the kingdom of God is here, and this is what it looks like. And he begins to paint some pictures for us. And he says, you've heard it said, dot, 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 but I tell you, remember things like that? Or I love, there's a a passage or a paraphrase of the Bible called the voice. And when Jesus tells a parable, he, he, they say it this way, imagine this, imagine life like this. And that's what the kingdom of God does. Like a a light bulb, it it tells us to reimagine, look at life differently through the lens of the kingdom of God and what that looks like. And uh, we're excited about where that's gonna take us. And uh, there's a few values that we feel like as a church that we wanna rally behind, we wanna lean into. And you can see these hopefully on the screen. And basically they're this, we want to as a community, in light of this reimagining life call, uh, to respond to God's love. We want to realign our lives. I don't know if you can tell there's a trend there. Uh, We want to realign our lives. We want to reveal his light. We want to rebuild community. We want to restore the broken. And uh, we feel like that God wants to do that in in awesome, new, and exciting ways. Uh, And each week, I've asked the pastoral team to join me, and we're going to jump in and unpack each one of these. And this week, we're looking at, we want to be a people that responds to God's love. So the first question that comes to mind is, what are things that evoke a response in your life. Um, It could be a positive response, it could be a negative response, exciting, joyful, fearful, anxiety. Um, It could be silly. Uh, For example, this always evokes a response in in my life. Yeah, that's strange. This is a Swedish word that means speed trap. Be careful, speed trap. They should have that in the youth room upstairs. Yeah. Or maybe at my small group, because it get never mind. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or how about this? Uh, if you're on YouTube, you may um, have seen this. It's the most recognized video on YouTube. And it's these two little boys, and, and it's Charlie. Raise your hand if you've seen, Charlie bit my finger. Ow, Charlie. Ouch. My family... Um, one of the things that we love that always evokes a response for us in the car is we love the, the goat videos. Have you seen them? The ones where like Taylor Swift Trouble or Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You. Um, and this has become one of our favorite ones. I'll show it to you real fast. Feel free to join along. We'll be driving down the road, 
And my kids will be screaming like a goat every time they can. It's the funniest thing. Are you ready? You want to do it? Let's, let's all do it. Let's all do it. Ready? Nice. That was a little disappointing. I'm going to be honest with you. Well, that evokes a response uh, in me. And, and we have one more that, that may evoke a response in others of you. Do we have that clip? This happened yesterday. Old Miss, for the first time since Kennedy was president, is 5-0, and oh, and they beat the number one team in the nation, uh, one of their neighbors. I'm, I'm doing was, this so that you can that see the response. That was unplanned. <laughs> that was totally unplanned. And, there might uh, be a response on your desk on Monday. Uh, uh, yowza! <laughs> All right, I not, gotta focus. Not focus. Funny. I was trying not to think about that. That was the worst day yesterday. <laughs> the worst day ever. Yeah. Texas, AM, Alabama. Everybody lost. It's it terrible. LSU it, got stomped. Don, man, I'm sorry, dude. That was awful. It, it was a good day for the for the Davids. Baylor, they don't even <laughs> count. They're like a JV team. Ugh. Oh Ugh. no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Brutal. Too far. Man, okay. Too far. Focus. <laughs> I'll tell you what, another just negative response that I get. Barker Cypress for the longest time had constructions. It was terrible. And it was one of those going down to one lane. And uh, for about a half a quarter mile, half a mile, everyone knew that you were going to that one lane. Okay, everyone knew it. It had been happening for, for weeks now. And it just became commonplace that we all got in the line. We all, you know, took our turn except for those guys. You know who those people are? You, maybe I'm looking at some of those people in the room, that you blow past that line has been waiting for six or seven minutes, if you've counted uh, now, and they go all the way to the front and they just start to jam their way in. And you, just, you wanna be that person like, no, 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 not gonna happen today. I, it just is, yeah, that evokes a response from me. I'm just like, other yeah. responses, maybe, um, well, now that you said what you just said yeah. a second ago, it's not as funny, but I was going to say, the boss has it in for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I promise I was going to say that, and now I'm really regretting it after well, that now video. now that's not just an illustration. It's the truth. So yeah. uh, we're good. We're good to go. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll keep rolling. Uh, yeah. Good positive response. Uh, <laughs> positive response. Who could forget... One of my favorite, I mean, the national anthem, when done really well, I mean, it just, I mean, it just gets you, doesn't it? I mean, Whitney Houston, my favorite, 1992. I mean, when she's, I mean, best hands down, I think. If, if you want to just YouTube and get chills this afternoon, whoo, I mean, it's impressive. I mean, we were, it was in the middle of Iraq the first time, and we just, you know, what a moment. At 9-11, post 9-11, that just, the, remember the rally of the, the country? I mean, we saw so many flags, there was just, just a sense of patriotism that we just kind of had this unity that was there. It was, it was a beautiful thing in the midst of tragedy. What a, what a great response. There's, there's definitely some pride there, but even bringing it more personal, if you're a parent, you know that pride when you see uh, your kid getting an award or doing well and excelling in a sport or an activity. There's, it just evokes this response in you that you just can't help. Yeah. Have you, I don't know what kind of response you've had, but when you've seen these headlines this last couple of weeks of, of Ebola, 
and how now it's now actually the virus is in America. What's been your response? Has it been fear? Has it been worry? Has it been not a big deal? You know, it's in Dallas. That's a long way away. Uh, What's been your response to that? It's definitely brought about a response for us. And one of the responses that always gets me is, have you been in the drive-thru line and then you get up to pay and they say, the person in front of you paid for your meal. Has that happened to anyone? That's never I love that, me. which naturally evokes That's a response awesome. to me where I say, I want to pay for the person behind me. That's awesome. And then you immediately think, oh, Lord, please help them just to have gotten a coffee. Just a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, please, Lord, I, I don't have that much money. I'm on a budget. Uh, but, but the simple truth is, love evokes a response. So the question is, have you ever been in love? Because if you have, you know that it affects the way you talk, the way you act, the things you do or don't do. It affects your entire way of living when you're in love. You, you reorientate your life to that hmm. love. Hmm. Bob Goff, uh, in one of his books, tells about Ryan. Ryan was a scrawny kid. Uh, Bob lives in California. He's an author, a professor at a university. His back porch opens up to the beach and the ocean, and he and his wife are sitting there on the back porch, and they always see people passing by. Well, this one kid passed by and stopped, and so Bob went out, and this is how the conversation started. Hi, I'm Ryan, and I'm in love. (laughs) And things progressed from there. This total stranger asks Bob, I pass your house all the time, it's so beautiful. Do you think maybe I could propose, I could propose to my girlfriend in your backyard? (laughs) Yeah, and and Bob, always up for anything, says, sure, let's do it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, great, thanks, and Ryan runs off. And for the next few weeks, things get bigger and bigger and bigger because Ryan is in love. And he comes back, Bob, do you think it'd be possible if maybe before I proposed, I could have a meal on your back porch? (laughs) Sure, Ryan, just tell me what you want. Uh, Do you think it'd be possible to have a couple of friends help serve the dinner? Sure, that'd be great. I think that'd be wonderful. How many are you thinking? Two or three? Twenty? Wow. (laughs) Because when, when love does, love does big. Sure, 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 have them over. So a couple of weeks later, hey, Bob, um, would it be okay if we had some speakers and some music and maybe we did a little dancing after dinner before I propose? That'd be great, Ryan, let's do it. A couple days later, Bob, and, and this is when he says, I knew something was coming because he was especially nervous. Bob, do you um, have a boat? <laughs> Okay, the audacity of this kid. This kid is in love, and the whole world is in the conspiracy to win this girl's heart. Yeah, I have a boat. Would you mind if we used it? That would be great, Ryan. Go get that girl. So, on the, the night comes, and everything is going off. We've got the meal. We've got the music. We've got the 20 friends. We've got them walking down to the pier, going off. But what Ryan didn't know is that Bob had gotten excited about Ryan's love. Mm -hmm. And Bob said, 
why should he have all the fun? So he called the Coast Guard and told the Coast Guard about Ryan and this extravagant love that he had. And it was infectious. The Coast Guard said, we're going to do something. This is going to be huge. So on the night, everything's happening. They're going out. And in case Ryan was too nervous, he had 50 other friends on the shoreline with candles spelling out, will you marry me? I mean, this kid has it. So he gets down. He stutters through the question. She says yes. Bob gives a signal. And the Coast Guard had one of their fire boats. And they're shooting off water cannons into the air the likes of which the 4th of July would be envious. I mean, just everything. Because love makes you do crazy things. Love makes you do extravagant things. You can't help yourself. When you're in love, you have to respond. And the beautiful thing of it is, it's so contagious. Mm -hmm. People around you sense the love. Mm -hmm. They sense it, and they want to participate and become involved in it. That's what love does. Hmm. Did, you, did you ever do anything crazy when you were first in love with your mate? I remember, uh, there's a lot of cheesy stories I could tell you, but uh, I sent Melanie a, an old antique key in the mail and said, because we had a long distance relationship, this is the key to my heart. Yeah. And I meant it. And I meant I didn't even like the cheese. You just miss the cheese factor when you're in love. You just do things like that. But uh, the good news this morning is this. The truth is, and I know you've heard this before, and I really want you to hear it today. God loves you. Mm -hmm. He really does. He loves you. And I know that you've heard that probably all your life, hopefully all your life. Maybe you're like me and you've got like two songs in your uh, lullaby repertoire, Take Me Out to the Ball Game and Jesus Loves Me. And that's what I sing. That's just my, re that's my rotation. Just start over, replay, okay? And uh, that's what I go with. My kids know, hear that all the time. They, in our house, we say I love you a lot. Uh, we say it all the time. In fact, my, my daughter, Briley, has called on, and she just will randomly, Daddy, uh, she's upstairs or downstairs, Daddy, I love you. And I, I love you too, Briley. Four or five times a day, she'll just randomly say it. And I'll go and I'll say it all the time to my kids. I love you. I love you, Noah. I love you, Quinn. I love you, Briley. When I say it to Quinn, she, she just looks at me and says, Doa. Uh, but I, I know that Dora means I love you too, Daddy. Uh, and, and, and when I really want them to hear it, because I say it so much, I, I, I pull their, their cheeks together and I, I look them right in the eye and I said, no, I really love you. I love you. And I try to just like go into their soul and tell them that. I mean, you've heard it a lot, but, but there's people that don't believe it. Maybe we've heard it so much that it's just like uh, when you go to greet someone and they say, how are you doing? Has anyone ever stopped in the, when you ask that and like, I'm so glad you asked. Let me give you 10 minutes of how I really am doing. Because we, we just say that phrase all the time, don't we? How are you doing? How are you doing? We don't actually expect a response or believe it. Or, or, or maybe, maybe it's I love you has become, uh, for some of us, we don't really believe it because we haven't experienced in our life. We're calling this generation the fatherless generation because so many fathers are, are absent. They haven't seen a picture of what, of what real love looks like. But God loves us. He tells us over and over and over in his word. And this, some called his love letter to us. Let's jump to Ephesians chapter three. We, we dug in last week and we're gonna, we're gonna dig in some more. 
Ephesians chapter three. And we're gonna start at verse 17 today. And it says this, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. And we kind of had a picture. I, I love this picture. Uh, just a random search, but just this rooted and established in love, this picture of a tree. Someone came up to me afterwards. You'll never guess who it was. Uh, they said, if I was ever going to get a tattoo, that's what I was gonna, I'm going to get. I'm like, that's kind of a pretty cool idea. I like that, uh, that image. But rooted and established in love. I pray, this is Paul talking to the church in Ephesus, being rooted and established in love may have power, that you may have power together with all God's people to grasp, to get a hold of, to get it. How wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever, amen. And that is my prayer. That's my hope for us, HFC, that we would get a hold of it, that you would be rooted and established, that we as a people would be rooted and established in love, that that would be so sensed by our community, by our families, by everyone around us, I think to get us going, though, we really have to get a hold of a word. In, in this passage, it's to grasp, to get it, to get it. There's been times when I haven't gotten it before. My grandfather, Hawkins, uh, he took out our, our cousins one night. I have three old, older boy cousins, and one night I was about eight years old. We go out in the backyard of his house in, in South Carolina, and we're looking at just a, just a sea full of stars. It's beautiful and uh, amazing sights. And he begins to point out, well, there's the Big Dipper. And he, and he shows all the guys, he's trying to show the guys the Big Dipper. Well, one by one, my cousin's like, oh, yeah, I see it. Oh, there it is, I see it. And I couldn't see it. I, could, I just couldn't get it around my head. I don't, maybe it's because... This whole concept of dipper, I didn't really get that. My grandmother, she actually was a dipper, and uh, I didn't know how that was going to be in the stars. She was uh, not. So that was the visual that I had, just didn't connect. <laughs> and so I'm trying to see, and he's like, look, it's those, those stars, three stars together, and I could not see it. So, Grandpa, can you show me again? You know, try to show me again. Again, I, I can't see it. I can't see it. And finally, you know what you do in those situations? Oh, yeah, now I see it. But did you see? No, I didn't see it. I still didn't get it. I, didn't, I, I just didn't get it. I couldn't wrap my mind around this, this dipper. I didn't even know what I was looking for. Until one day, I was at a planetarium as a kid. You know, you go to those things, those field trips, which were amazing as a kid, and they, they show you all the stars, and they very visibly show you that what you're looking for and it just jumps out at you and you're like that's what he meant it's, i get it yeah i get it that's that's the grasping i think people maybe have heard it all their lives but maybe they haven't gotten it they haven't seen it they haven't experienced and we experience god love we know that god loves us he tells us throughout his word we've seen it at the pinnacle the height of his love is when he went to the cross for us we know that. That was just the most visible thing that we have. But that, that was a, a beautiful day. Like a wedding day, we see that the most visible thing of, of a, a marriage starting is the wedding day. But that's not the only thing. God's love for us is deep and it's wide. And there's so many different ways he expresses that love. And he wants to, to, to share that love with us. And when we grasp that love, when we get a hold of it, when you get it, when you really see it, when you really get it, when people get it, 
they are changed forever. We're changed forever. I love Isaiah 61, um, just the imagery that he has. Um, we're going to just extract a couple of verses from there. Uh, look at verse 3. I want you to take notice of the language that he uses. He's, he's using these beautiful images of transformation that take place. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. A joyous blessing instead of mourning. Festive praise instead of despair. And then in verses 10 and 11... I'm overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I'm like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with plants springing up everywhere. Hmm. Can you hear the language of transformation? It, it, it's both inward and outward. It's transformation that happens to us, but it's transformation that's visible through us. It's inward. It's outward. Matt and I were talking, and, and so much of this language really does kind of form this dichotomy in our minds of funeral Wedding, funeral, wedding. A lot of the language in this passage reminded us of that. You've got, with the funeral, you've got the ashes, and you've got the mourning, and you've got the despair and the sorrow. And with the wedding, you've got the beauty and the festive praise and the joyous blessings. I mean, there really is a lot in common with funerals and weddings. And, you know, you, you dress up. Um, your loved ones are around you. Um, you know, there are some common things, but there are also a lot of differences. You dress up at a wedding, but there is a lot more color. The music that you play at a wedding is much different than you would ever play at a funeral. The attitude is different. The, at the funeral, when it finishes, you go back to the church and you have a meal with your family and you reminisce, you remember, oh, wasn't it great when this happened or that happened? At a wedding, when it's over, you also go and a lot of times share a meal, but it's completely different because you're not remembering, you are expecting, you are excited about this marriage for you or your friends. You are expecting God to do something amazing in this marriage. Remembering, expecting, funeral, wedding. There's an excitement at a wedding. Anything is possible. You never go to a wedding and feel like the bride and groom are unhappy. At least I hope not. They're starry-eyed. You know, the, the world is our oyster. Anything is possible. God loves us. He delivers us. He calls us to take off this funeral mentality and to take on this wedding mindset. See, our God is acting 
The question is, what will we do in response? And we get a hold of this love. It begins to transform us. It changes us. And there should be a response. There should be a response to this love. If, if there's not, kind of question if it exists. There should be something that, that, that happens. And, and what should our response be? Well, we look at 1 Corinthians 13. It's, it's a chapter that is read at many weddings. And they begin to, you hear some qualities of what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't boast. It doesn't keep record of wrongs. And we see these qualities. There also can be a response to love. And, and I think that can be a, a personality thing. We all have different personalities. We're all different. And the way that we respond to God's love looks differently. I went to Hillsong Con, uh, I was going to say conference, but concert a couple of months ago. It was an amazing time. And uh, one of the things that I love to do at worship events like that, because that's what, it, it's not a concert, it's a worship event. We're, we're singing songs together. We're praising God. I love to look around. There's the glow kind of, of, the, of the lights. And if you just pause, you're kind of in the moment of worshiping, praising. But if you just pause and start to look around, it's an awesome scene. There's the glow on people's faces. And some people, they're just they're just standing in the basking in the glow of God's love. They're just to something like this. And others, you just see tears flowing. And it's a beautiful, other people, just two hands. And they just, you know, other people are just jumping up and down. There's other people, they have like the mom dance going on. And they just go on back side to side, whatever dance moves you have. They're, they were doing that. There was some person, but it was right behind me at this concert. And I was, James uh, Hayes was right here in front of me. I was here. There was a guy behind me. And this guy was the worst singer that you've ever heard in your times 10. But he was just like, ah, he was singing as loud as he possibly could. And James would kind of peek back at me. And I'm like, not me, not me. <laughs> but, but you just kind of heard this. Guy, and he just, you could not control this guy. I mean, he just was so in love with God. He was so praising God that he didn't care. Didn't care. Have you ever not cared before? It's a great place to be, folks. If you're living and hanging on what people think, oh, man, it's painful. But if you're in that place of not caring, oh, it's a beautiful scene. And the way we worship, we, we do that in different ways, and it's a beautiful thing. And, and, and the way that we express our love to him, I think there's an aura about people that get, get God's love, that, that get a hold of it, that grasp it. I love uh, this quote by Maya Angelou. She says it this way, I've learned that people will forget what you said People will forget what you did, but the people will never forget the way you made them feel. We kind of sense this vibe about people, and they make you feel a certain way. Love Jimmy Fallon, the new Jimmy Fallon show, The Tonight Show. I don't know if you, there's a lot of just good things. We could talk about this all day, because I just, I think there's hilarious, the music stuff, funny things. But the thing that I think, because his ratings are whoosh, through the roof. You could take the other light night things, and they're about the same. Uh, together compared to his ratings, I think there's a quality that he has that's infectious. He is mm. super positive. Have you noticed that? Laughs at himself, laughs at others, makes stars laugh at themselves. There's this positive just glow that's there. There's just, there's joy. And sometimes that things just break down and you just can laugh and just be okay with that. There's a, there's a vibe that, that there that, that, that we make people feel this kind of vibe. 
And I, this is expressed, I think, there's this book that, that Garen referenced. Uh, it's one that we've read a little bit this week. It's called Love Does by Bob Goff. And if you, if you need a book to read, this is a, a fun one to read. And oftentimes you kind of blow past the forward and you just jump to the first chapter. Do you do that? I don't even look at that kind of stuff. But, but this week, uh, we, were, we looked at, happened to look at the forward, and it's, and it's amazing. And I want you to take a look at it as I'm reading it. It says this. This is by a guy named Donald Miller, who's written a few books you might have read. And, and he says this. Bob Goff has, a, had a, has had a greater impact on my life than any person that I've known. And while you'll read the stories in this book about adventures both big and small, it isn't, uh, isn't bears or witch doctors or dynamite that go, that got, that, that go through me. Uh, though I confess Bob's adventures are intoxicating. The reason Bob has impacted my life is because he loves me. Bob Goff loves people with a force that is natural. And by natural, I mean nature, like a, a waterfall or a wind or waves in the ocean, on the ocean. He loves effortlessly as though love packs annually in snow on a mountain, melting and rushing through him in an infinite loop. There is no explanation for a man who can love this well save God. I think Bob Goff knows God. And I think God, God's love flows through him. I don't know how to explain Bob's love except to say it's utterly and delightfully devastating. You simply cannot live the same once you know him. He will wreck your American dream and will help you find your action dream, your actual dream. He will wreck your Sorry, Mary. Crappy marriage and help you find a love story. To know God, to know Bob is to, ha to have a, 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 I can't find my words. Facade, thank you. To know Bob is to have a facade you've spent your life maintaining beautifully, strewn to ruins while like a friend, he comes alongside you as you rebuild. This book will be troubling for you some. We don't like to put hands and feet on love. When love is a theory, it's safe, it's free of risk, but love in the brain changes nothing. Bob believes that love is too beautiful a concept to keep locked up behind a forehead like a prisoner. Wow, I love, there's several lines I love in that. I think Bob Golf knows God and I think God's love flows through him. Do people know that you love God? Can they sense it? Can they, can they see it? Can they hear it? Can they, can they feel it? You know, I really think in some of this passage too, if you were to go back, you could replace the word Bob with the word God. I'm guessing that because you're here, you would want to be that kind of person. You would want, if they were writing a story of your life, you would want that in your foreword. We wanna be that way, don't we? But let's just be real for a second. It's difficult. It's not easy. We're forgetful. We have a short attention span. We've got the empires of this world crashing down upon us, telling us that we need more. We've got to keep up with the Joneses. We've got to have a better job and a bigger car. We've got to be aggressive. If we want to get something, we've got to do it ourselves. Our focus is always on us, 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 us. And we've forgotten what God has to offer. You know, the funny thing is, we're not that different from the Israelites in Isaiah 61. I, I mean, 
These are people who had stories passed down through generations of a God who rescued them from Egypt. They were slaves to the Egyptians, and God sent Moses, and he freed his people. And how quickly they forgot. This was was a group of people that stood at the Red Sea, and they were in between Pharaoh's armies closing in on them and a wall of water. God parts the water. They walk safely through, and it's not long before they're murmuring again, saying, we're so thirsty. Why did God bring us out here if we're only going to die of thirst? They watched the miracles happen and how quickly they forgot God's love for them and that he would provide for them. You know, it, it's funny, we, we give them a hard time a lot, but we really are like them. I mean, we see miracle after miracle and yet we forget or we're anxious. We see God moving in our lives and on our behalf and yet we are quick to forget. It's like there's a better life for us ahead. There's a promised land, and we're perfectly content going back to Egypt. Hmm. The truth is we have an enemy, too. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Everything in our lives is good that's from God. Every good and perfect gift, every uh, thing that God is doing that is, is good in our lives. Uh, love, there's a player that uh, comes to mind in Houston that's a... Uh, He's played for a couple of different teams basketball-wise, but uh, just fun guy. His name is Dikembe Mutombo, very tall gentleman. Uh, he did some commercials, Geico commercials. Uh, do you remember those? Let's, let's take a look at one. Not in my house. Uh, I want you to have that in mind as we read Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Always be joyful. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. What's the word? Rejoice. rejoice. Always rejoice. Always have joy. But that's hard, isn't it? It's not easy. We, we live in a, a difficult world to rejoice always. But let's keep reading. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace Will what? Dikembe Mutombo, your heart and your mind to live in Christ Jesus. He will guard your hearts if you do two things. Thank him and to pray. Those things, to, to give gratitude, to, to let gratitude just fill your heart and push out some of the things in our lives. And to pray and to tell him about what you need. And then what? His peace will guard your heart. We live in a world, I kind of think of it as a cultural vortex. And this is a visual image for you that just is swirling around, just pulling us in, trying to suck us in to the way of of life here. And the way of life, let's be honest, is some of the words that we heard in Isaiah. It's to mourn what we don't have. It's to be in despair always, to be in fear. We don't rejoice. the, The media is always trying to scare us. And we live in a world that's full of these things and images, and they're constantly pulling at us to try to live and to think and to act and to be like them. But that's not who God has called us to be. 
God has called us to see things differently, to reimagine life in the midst of empire, in the midst of this place that we live, to, to reimagine a kingdom of God that is different. And we are called, if we get a hold of this love, if you got it, to respond to what that love looks like. We keep going on. If we look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it's a great passage of scripture. The message says it this way. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention onto God. You'll be changed from the inside out readily recognize what he wants for you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So what are some things that we focus on? What are some things that, that as we, we, we fix our attention on in our lives, we fix our attention on God because he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the source of our joy in our lives. Great. Philippians 4.8 says it this way, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And when we do that, God will help to swat out some of the things that would, would attack your heart and your life. See, this is the blueprint for living and responding to God's mercy. I mean, fixing our eyes on the things that are excellent and praiseworthy. You know, and we, and we thought, well, how do, how, do we, how do we land this plane? Do we just, you know, throw out, well, we need to have more joy. Well, we need to serve more. Those are great things to do, but they're very ambiguous so we thought, what if we just gave some nuts and bolts? Here are some ways that you can begin to respond more to God's love this week. This is not the exhaustive list. There, there are thousands of ways that you can respond to God's love. I'm just going to give you a couple of examples to get your mind going, and then we're going to trust that the Spirit's going to lead you. Memorize Scripture. Have you ever thought about just saying, wow, that verse means a lot to me? I might want to memorize that and have that in the back of my mind so that when I need it, it's that Dikembe Mutombo, and it, it reminds me. Um, there, there's a format of reading the Bible that, um, called Lectio Divina, where you would take a passage and you will focus on it for a while. And I'm going to send a challenge to you. Psalm 139 has been meaningful in my life. Um, it's the prayer that I pray over every child that I go and visit when they're born in the hospital. It, it's this beautiful cycle of call and response. Oh, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I rise and when I sit. You're, you're familiar with all my ways. You, you hem me in behind and before. And then it goes all the way down to search me, oh, God, and know my heart. Try me and know my way. See if there's anything wicked in me and lead me into the life everlasting. It's this, God, you've known me. God, know me better. God, I want to know you better. So I'm going to send out a challenge. I would love for you for the next 30 days to focus on Psalm 139. Read it, reread it, 
it will get to the place where it's almost memorized for you. And certain words will pop out on a certain day, and God may take you down that trail. Wow, you hem me in behind and before. I am surrounded by God's love, or, or other things. But I would encourage you, Psalm 139. Some of you, this isn't for me necessarily, but journaling, writing out your prayers, writing out your thoughts, writing out the things that God is doing for you. Carrie, I know you've got, is it your happy journal? It's Whenever there are issues, she goes back and she can say, wow, God did this for me. God did this for me. God has been faithful over and over again. Music. You know what you're listening to is affecting you. I mean, we, we get that, right? I would encourage you to put things in your mind, put music in your mind that is going to draw you closer to God. Prayer. Are you constantly talking to him? Or is it a right before I eat type of thing? I love that whole practicing the presence of God mentality where every time I'm doing something, I'm praying. When I'm in the grocery store and I see a mother struggling with her kid, I'm praying. When I'm that father in the grocery store struggling with my kids, I'm praying. But just everywhere you go, in everything you do, be in a state of prayer. See, worship doesn't happen just on Sundays. The way you worship is the way you live. And the, late, the way you live is the way you worship. It's like, it's like breathing. You breathe in, you breathe out. You, you don't do one without the other. The way you worship is the way you live. And the way you live is the way you worship. And until we embrace both of these acts, we're never truly going to get to the place where we understand where, where we truly unleash the immeasurably, abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine in our lives, in our church, in our community, and in our world. And just think, as you're hearing, saying that, just thinking about how, you know, you think of worship, you think singing, but worship is so much bigger than that. It's the way that we live our lives, the way that we, we interact with people. The other day I was coming out, I went to Torchy's Tacos. It was a line out the door. The crowd is, is packed in Loetta, and I'm uh, pulling out in my car, and I just bump into somebody. And I, just a bump, just a tap, and uh, I had a crystal clear moment. The interaction that I'm about to have with this person is going to tell a lot about me and you and a lot of things because, you know, you just have those first responses but I got out of the car, and the conversation that I had with the, the woman there, it was an act of worship. We, we both were, you know, checking things out, but the, the way we interacted with each other with kindness and with grace, I mean, it was a moment that, as strange as it sounds, that's a chance to worship, to, to, to respond to God's love and to share that with others. We do that communally. There, there's a culture that we create as a community of people. There's a culture that we create from the moment that people enter our parking lot. You, you sense that culture at Chick-fil-A, don't you? The minute you walk, it's just a different place, isn't it? You just sense this, there's, just a, there's just a difference to it. You know, when I would, in college, we'd go to Crystal's at one o'clock in the morning. There's a different culture at Crystal's at one o'clock in the morning than at Chick-fil-A, okay? But there's a culture that we wanna create here that God's love is sensed and felt, not like a car salesman that is trying to rope you into some kind of deal, but is authentic 
and it's breathed out and it flows out of who we are as a community, as a people. We practice every things in service. You see some of these practices. We do sing together. We're a singing people. We've been a singing people for a very long time. That's how we express in words worship. We, we pray together. We do that corporately, but I love it when we do it in the hallways. Michelle's really great at this. I don't know if you've ever had this experience before where she says, hey, I'm just praying about something. You know, you'll come to her with a request or something that's going on in your life. She just stops everything and prays in the hallway, in the foyer, outside. That's who we are. We pray together and not just almost gonna, oh, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I'll put in that on. Let's do it right now. Let's pray together. Let's be a praying people. We see that in baptism. We have these amazing days where we celebrate new life. We celebrate together. We take an offering, we did that, that's an act of worship of saying we prioritize who we are and that we're not defined by money, but God is in control of every area of our lives. We take communion together. We're gonna do that in a few minutes. We take communion together to be reminded of the most symbolic act of love that we have. That we remember what Jesus did and just like the disciples did when they broke the bread and they took the cup, there, wasn't, there was a confusion on the night of, but I bet every time they did that since, there was no confusion. There was a look of joy in their eyes. Do you remember? Do you remember? We thought it meant something different, but now it's so much more to us. And we, with a smile on our face, with joy in our hearts, that we have a God that would love us that much. And that's just a, we can't even, we can't even fathom the love of God. And we get a tangible peace, and we get to experience that today. That's something that we do in worship together. Showing up is an act of worship. People seeing your smiling face to see that. Folks, this is confession. I need church. If, if I wasn't pastor, I'd be in church somewhere because I need it. I have to, it's like the refueling that we need as we get sent out. There's these different practices that we have together. Just take a moment. I just want you to breathe in. Breathe out. And breathe in. breathe out there's this pattern required for life we do it to live and we do it because we are alive worship is to be to us a very similar thing we worship because we are alive worshiping makes us fully human I love uh, a quote that Brent Peterson said in his book, Created to Worship, fantastic read. It says this, this is, this is the church corporately and the church individually beautifully put. We are gathered and we breathe in on the Lord's day to then be sent out to worship all week long in places where the Spirit leads us. It is not the case that Christians only worship God on Sundays. The church, as the body of Christ, is sent from the service in hope and joy to participate in God's mission in the world. The church continues its Sunday worship by living lives of thanks and praise from Monday to Saturday. Communal worship is shaped by a blessed rhythm that God gathers the believers, breathing them in, for a time of healing, praise, and transformation so that they can then worship personally all week long 
as they participate in the further coming of God's kingdom, the breathing out as we go into our community. This rhythm of breathing, healing, and the ministry is a celebration now of the healing and redemption God has done and is doing in the world. Yet the encounter with God in communal worship also offers an imagination of what God will do as the kingdom continues to come. Hmm. Wouldn't you love to reimagine life this way? Hmm. How would that change us? Hmm. How would that move us? Could we be that kind of people? I believe we can. And I choose today to do it personally and to join in HFC and do it corporately. And I encourage you to do the same, to join in the redemptive work hmm. of God in the world today. This is our reasonable act of worship. Hmm. His love knows no bounds and our response should know no bounds. Amen. We should be creative in how we respond and how we respond to this great love of his. This morning, we're going to, uh, we're gonna sing together. We're gonna hear scripture. We're gonna take communion and we're gonna pray. The next few minutes, I just invite you to just in his presence to respond to his love. Respond to his love whatever way he leads you this morning. If there are words for him, and I don't have them. You see, my brain hasn't fully reached the point where it could form a thought that could adequately describe the greatness of my God. And my lungs have not yet fully developed the ability to release a breath with enough agility to breathe out the greatness of His love. And my voice... My voice is so inhibited, restrained by human limits, that it's hard to even send up a praise. If there are words for him, then I don't have them. My God, his grace is remarkable. Mercies are innumerable. His strength is impenetrable. He's honorable, accountable, and favorable unsearchable yet knowable indefinite yet approachable indescribable and yet personal he's beyond comprehension farther than imagination constant through the generations king of every nation but if there are words for him i don't have them you see my words are few and to try to capture the one true God using my vocabulary will never do. But I use my words as an expression, an expression of worship to a savior, a savior who is both worthy and deserving of my praise. So I use words. My heart extols the Lord, blesses his name forever. He's won my heart and he's captured my mind and he's bound them both together. He has defeated me in my rebellion. 
and then he conquered me in my sin. He's welcomed me into his presence, and he completely invites me in. He has made himself the object of my sight, and he floods me in the morning with his mercies, and he drowns me with grace in the night. But if there are words for him, I don't have them. But what I do have is good news. For my God knew that man-made words would never do. For words are just tools that we use to point to the truth. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, the word, living proof. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created, giving nothingness formation. And by his word, he sustains in the power of his name. For he is before all things and over all things. He reigns and holy is his name. Amen. The way he persevered in strife, the humble son of God becoming the perfect sacrifice. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sin. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We praise him today in his death. That he willingly took our place. That he lovingly endured the grave. That he battled our enemy. And on the third day, he rose in victory. We praise him because he rose today. He is everything that was promised. Praise him as the risen king. Lift your voice and sing, for one day he will return for us, and he will finally be united with our Savior for eternity. So it's not just words that we proclaim. For our words and our lives, they point to the word, and the word has a name. The word has a name. Hope has a name. Joy has a name. Peace has a name. Love has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ. May we praise his name forever and ever and ever. As we close, we want to respond a little differently to his love. We want to remember what he has done for us, but then we want to respond as we take it to the world. And so I'm going to ask our servers to come. They're going to be at different stations.
There's a gluten-free table to your back to the, to the right. This morning, we as a church, we believe in an open table. You don't have to be a member of our church. You just have to believe in the love and the grace of Jesus Christ that has set us free. You're going to come at any one of these stations. You're gonna take a piece of bread. This piece of bread is a, is a symbol of God's love. He was broken on a cross for us. And the, the cup is a symbol of the blood that he shed for us. You're gonna dip it in the cup and you're gonna take it. And then when you take it, we're gonna invite you to do this. Don't pass go, go out into the world and respond in love today. On the night in which our Lord was betrayed, he took a cup and he took, took some bread. And he said, these are symbols of my love. It's broken and shed for you. And we remember today. So I invite you to the table. Let's come not with sorrow in our hearts, but with joy in our face and a look in our eyes, knowing that we have a God that loves us in abundant ways today. Let's come to the table.